This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Hey there, Ben Kissel here for Last Podcast Network. I want to tell you about my show, Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. For more than nine years, Marcus and I have strived to present you with the most accurate and honest political podcast out there. In these turbulent times, it's our intention to unite the country with impassioned debate that reaches out to the rational Americans who find their voices more muffled every day. Every week, I use my political science background, my experience running for office, along with my lifelong passion to stand up for the downtrodden, the wrongfully accused, and the invisible man and woman to bring you news like you haven't heard before. Let's face it, traditional news has failed us. We promise to always tell you the truth the best we see it, and I personally guarantee to not be swayed by hyperpartisanship, but be guided by facts. To listen, search Abe Lincoln's Top Hat on any podcast platform or go to lastpodcastnetwork.com and find it under shows. Hail yourselves, everyone. Now back to Last Podcast on the left. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast on the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Yeah, you got to put, you know what you should start doing? And I'm, I'm going to say this so that the audience knows that you're going to change the style. Mm-hmm. You should start Guy Fieri. Ah. You should do the Guy Fieri for the headphones. And you put it backwards like this. Yeah. It's hurting my ears. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> it doesn't. Oh, squishy my nose. <laughs> That's not bad. Guy Fieri, yeah. Yeah. Is this the start of the show? This is the start of the show. No kidding. It is. Slam it. <laughs> something. This is Flavor Town. What a way to start. It's also, slam it. It's a horrible thing to say given our subject matter. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is not Flavor Town, as a matter of fact. Whatever is, well, I'm going to say this guy is out of bounds, yeah. but not in a good way. No, but that's a problem. Is that out of bounds can't then also be used the bad way. It right. can only be used the good way. All right. I, I have to say the name of the show. This is the last podcast on the left. Thank you for tuning in. I am Ben Kissel with newly hairstyled Marcus Parks. It's for the Halloween party tonight. I got an FBI coif. Oh. <laughs> Looks good. Thank you. And we got Henry Zabrowski. My pubic hair has been turned into a pompadour. What do you mean? <laughs> That's just for my home. It's for my family. I will say, uh, I will. I feel that all of this episode is miles outside of Flavortown. Yes, absolutely. Okay, we are on to part two of the Vampire of Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf! D- Dussel- have you ever been to Dusseldorf? Dusseldorf? No, i never been. Peter Curtin. <laughs> now, is Dusseldorf, is that different? 
Now, I know it's a different city yeah. than Berlin <laughs> or these other places. <laughs> they like, name all the cities different things, but it's the same city. But, like, Berlin is, like, fashionable, right? And it's got all, like, the discotheques. Yeah. And it's yeah. got, like, a lot of people with their, their titties out. And it's a lot of artists and people, like, put themselves on hooks and weird dance parties and stuff oh, yeah, like that. Dude. Yeah, it's supposed to be the coolest place in the world. But is Dusseldorf just, like, is that where you go to get the beer steins? Or is it, yeah. like, a chiller place? Is it more like uh, like a San Diego? <laughs> Honestly, all I know is I wish Dorf would have been on Dusseldorf. <laughs> Dorf on Dusseldorf would have been amazing. D- Dorf does Peter Curtin. Dorf <laughs> as Peter Curtin. <laughs> that is another mid-90s reference to a very funny comedian who, he, he walked on his knees. Tim Conway. And called himself Dorf. <laughs> I will say that it's the greatest compliment I ever received on a set was that one of the camera operators on A to Z said I reminded him of Tim Conway. <laughs> At least he didn't say dwarf. That's good. I love it. So when we last left Peter Curtin, he was planning a summer break in order to build back up his tolerance for murder as the dopamine returns were starting to diminish, as they always do. Man, he was looking for a little bit of a break, but the only thing he found was nothing but trouble. (laughs) Whoa! That is interesting. So a lot of people go on family vacations during the summertime. Mm -hmm. Maybe they recoup from their hard job working at TJ Maxx, perhaps. Perhaps. And he had to recoup so he could get enough energy to murder again. Yeah, so he could could return. It's like an addict type of thing. You know, every time uh, you use a drug, you kind of get diminishing returns each time. You have to use more and more and more. The same thing happens. Happens hmm. with serial killers, so we can blame Germany's lax vacation laws on this. <laughs> well, they can—they always vacation. It a must be so nice to work in Europe. But uh, it's kind of like weed. We mm-hmm. you take a—I um, believe the term is a tolerance break. Yeah, where it's like, well, you go and essentially you build yourself back up because he, the exquisite pleasure he experienced upon his last murders, he wanted to get it again, and right. partially again his need for control his need for every single thing to be kind of like the way like i will endlessly research breakfast burritos right in la (laughs) to find the premium experience and i'll go way out of my way for and for no reason miles and miles and miles and miles out of my way to get a new fresh succulent breakfast burrito and so in that way (laughs) in that way i understand peter Curtin. Right, right. You got to do a lot of research to get what you want, I guess. Now, by the way, this episode, Gold Star, right? The whole time, basically. Pretty, pretty much. much. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Pretty much Just the whole so time. you know. Now, remember, by this point, two people in Dusseldorf were recently dead by Peter Curtin's hand, and one was damn near killed by Peter Curtin. Mm. But the thing was. Police didn't think that the nightmare of the vampire of Dusseldorf was over just because Curtin took the summer off. They actually thought that they'd caught the vampire himself when they arrested a man named Johann Stausberg. Hmm. Stausberg was described by different sources as an imbecile, an idiot... And a cretin. Now, this is back in the day <laughs> when a, a doctor can look at you and legally be like, okay, let's check your knees. That's one or backwards. That's not good. Let's check your face. It's not looking bright. Okay. <laughs> I will put this as you are, and this is a prescription I'm writing for you to take this as a pharmacist, an idiot. <laughs> and the only way for you to fix this is to purchase it is one prescription for Und Hammer that your loved ones will use to end your life. <laughs> the Germans, they really let you know what they think. Say what you well, want. This is, uh, unfortunately, it was a medical description. Yeah, cretin- uh, medical cretinism. Okay, now what is medical cretinism exactly? It means you're all jacked up. Yeah. Jacked it, up. Yeah, okay. it's jacked up. It's physical and mental abnormalities. Okay. Yeah. But as we know, idiots are just as capable of great violence as the rest of us. Yes. And Stausberg yeah. was no exception. While he was not the vampire of Dusseldorf, 
he had still tried to strangle two women on the street from behind with a noose. Okay. Jeez. It is, uh, these crimes on their own are very creepy. Yeah. Because it's women walking alone at night, and they said they felt the same thing. It was a very big man, and he come up being like, no, you're mine, you're mine. He would whisper in their ears as Ooh. he snuck up behind him, and he just straight up was carrying a noose around. Yeah, can you like just was, do that? Isn't that a red flag for everyone walking around and be like, the guy with the noose, he probably is doing something bad. I tell you what, I've been staying in Soho, and if you put it in like a fucking Filene's bag, or you put it in a Macy's bag, it's fashion. I and you just go there, but he would go behind women, and he would just stick a noose on them and just start dragging them into the woods. Yeah, Jeez. It was r- fucked up. Very sounds like, a, sounds like a match that mankind in the undertaker had <laughs> and i believe mankind got hung although i don't think that was a mankind match no he was using or the undertaker the, got hung he was using the quasimodo i MO. see yeah uh and he was of course easily tracked down and he didn't kill anyone he it was only like he absolutely didn't kill anyone they were attempted murders well like, i mean he would have to be 10 feet tall to yeah. kill someone with the you need gravity in that situation no, right can you kill someone just with a with a noose, noose alone yes it happened in the movie clue <laughs> yes <laughs> that's no, right it, we just covered okay. it in with the Iceman. Yeah. Kuklinski said he used the tree method mm-hmm. where he'd grab the guy up with the, with the rope around his neck and then he'd hoist him up onto his shoulder and just wait till he stopped kicking. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. But due to the nature of this guy's crimes, police figured it was worth a shot to ask him about the recent murders and attacks. <laughs> just, it's worth a shot. Honestly. What, what great police. No, I guess they, we, we do have good police here, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mostly it's just because this guy kind of fits the whole bill. It's right. like he's attacking women randomly. All of Dusseldorf is kind of going insane from the last little streak of attacks. And unfortunately, he looks the part. Yeah. Okay. And to their surprise... This guy confessed to all of the crimes on the spot. Really? Yeah. I mean, sure, most of the details he gave about the crimes were completely wrong, but the cops justified that by saying that Stausberg was an epileptic, which he was, and oh. as such, was prone to bouts of memory loss. Wow. Now, Stausberg did get some things right, and since Stausberg couldn't read, cops figured that he couldn't have gotten that information from newspapers, hmm. so it was likely that he was telling the truth. Finally, though, the piece that solved the puzzle for the cops was that when they spoke with Stausberg's mother, she told them that her son had confessed to the Rosa Olinger murder to her on February 9th, months before he was arrested. Okay, so we have a lot of evidence pointing to this guy here. Well, they need a conviction. There was no evidence. He just said that he did it. But the problem is at the same time, we'll get into this, it seems to be a lot of the information he he could have gotten from other people yeah. and also was mm. he was a weird cruel man and i think as a part of it is that when the news came out about a little girl died he literally was like Oh, you wanted to eat. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is a really great summer vacation so far for Peter Curtin, <laughs> except for when he had that John Candy-like sunburn from, of course, summer <laughs> rental when you fall asleep on the beach. I'm sure he got his, uh, maybe his, maybe maybe his nose, because I think he was still fully covered he was on always, the beach, I'm sure. always fully covered. But this is the greatest gift that anyone could possibly give this creep. I actually don't think so. Peter Curtin, at the same time, did not want people confessing to crimes that were his. Mm-hmm. It's very BTK-esque, mm-hmm. which is why he's going to go on to continue to do these crimes yeah. all summer long when it's supposed to be his break. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, with the confession and uh, with what the mother said, Stausberg was charged and uh, under Article 51 of the Weimar government, since he was an individual of diminished responsibility and questionable sanity, he was sent to an insane asylum to be locked away forever. Case closed. Okay. 
and so the people of Dusseldorf rested easy for the summer of 1929. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been a pretty fun summer. Yeah. But when August came, the vampire returned, and he began a murder spree that would pale in comparison to what the people of Germany had already endured at his hands. Yikes. On August 14, 1929, Peter Curtin was wandering the Dusseldorf Zoo thinking about God knows what. I tell you what, <laughs> you sit here eating some popcorn, you look at that platypus, and you wonder, what was God thinking? Was he just having a fun day? Uh, a yeah, they do look pin. funny, don't they? He's funny, the funny little creature and some monkeys, they got the red little butts. Yeah, that's that is fun funny. to see and all that Man. stuff. And no one ever gets at them for pulling out their penises. The You're people. right. You, you, no one ever chastises them all right. for yeah. their behavior of an Israel animal. Okay, son, we'll go out of the zoo now. He was fun for a little while, but it's getting scary. But this trip to the zoo, it marked the beginning of a new phase in Curtin's career. He was no longer just content to randomly attack strangers on the street. Now, Curtin wanted to toy with his victims. He wanted to draw out the process. Hmm. So while he was at the zoo, he met a servant girl on her day off named Maria Hahn. They made plans for a date the next day, and Peter took her to a beer garden then dinner. I don't know why it seems like extra like attractive to meet like a German servant girl. Like, mm. Something that seems kind of fun. Like, well, German yeah. people are beautiful people. That they are. Not in a master race way. Okay. <laughs> Thank Before you. anyone Thank thinks you. this, because Thank of me, you. I say you get it. a lot of people are beautiful people. <laughs> I think you a are lot sweating. of people. Libyans sweating. are gorgeous. <laughs> I love about Libyans. They're great people. Your spit is turning into beer. Oh, <laughs> man. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met. Of any person. It's Shecky Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself and fast growing trees 
has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet! Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing! No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that you're children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. Well, after they had dinner, went to the beer garden, Peter Curtin led Maria Hahn out to a deserted meadow and began the longest, cruelest, most drawn-out murder of his career. Mm. He strangled her until she passed out. Then, when she woke up, he did it again. BTK. Jesus. When she came to once more, Curtin stabbed her in the throat with his scissors and when the blood gushed forth, he pressed his mouth to the wound and drank her blood until he vomited. Oh, so this is, uh, again, with the scissors. I guess he really, even though it was a fail the first time he used the scissors. Scissors become a favorite of his. Oh, yes, my be- God. Because, and I think it's no mistake, I think he was doing it on purpose, is that he did, these, he did a pointed, specific puncture. Mm-hmm. Like he right. would do it in order to get a spurt. Of blood. And even then, Maria was still alive. As she begged for her life, Curtin stabbed her in the chest, then repeatedly stabbed her in the head mm. until she mercifully slipped away. Mm. Curtin said the whole process had taken an hour. Jeez. So after Maria was dead, Curtin rolled her body into a ditch and threw some branches over for cover. When he got home that night, his wife was already asleep, but the next morning, she immediately noticed. Quite a few blood stains on Curtin's clothes. So oh. here we have some blood stains. Right, yeah. right. Now the two got into a fight about it, so Peter figured he'd better actually hide this body, lest it be discovered and his wife would make the connection between the blood stains and the murder of Maria Hahn. Because she's not blaming me for death, the next thing I know, I don't get my tuna fish casserole on Fridays. <laughs> and that's not good. So this is the first time that she, is this the first time that she suspects that he is doing something nefarious when yeah, he leaves? I, I guess so. Well, this is the first time that there's actually evidence. Okay. That he's like, come home and, and she's seen like, there's blood stains on your clothes, what have you been doing and, it, it and must he'd be, been out all night long too it must be a lot of blood right it, it's a fair amount of blood yeah. yeah so 
Once again, after work, Curtin went home, grabbed a shovel, and headed back out to the crime scene where he picked up Maria's body, took it to a fallow cornfield, and buried her in a deep grave, relishing the act the entire time. Mm. It's kind of like when you go like down the different block when you want to go to the grocery store and you get the, the nice cup of coffee from the new hipster coffee shop, and you're mm-hmm. like, why don't I do this all the time? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, it's totally different. Uh, this involves because a homicide. If I your, do... your analogy involves coffee, and this is a murder. Because if my analogies did involve me talking openly about the several murders of women that I would have had to have done to know the distinct pleasures of right. doing this, then I would be incriminating myself, wouldn't I, Benjamin Kissel? <laughs> That's a good point. Keep talking about coffee. <laughs> but Curtin wasn't done yet. A few weeks later, he said he returned to Maria's grave and dug up the body with the intention of nailing it to a tree in a mox crucifixion. But the body was too heavy, so he just reburied it. But the thing was, he could not let his work go unnoticed. If nobody found the desecrated body, then in his mind, the job was only half finished, and there was ultimately no point. It's like, in Peter's mind, it's like it never happened. Okay. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. So in November, he sent letters that gave the exact location of the body to several newspapers, making sure to tell them that the perpetrator of this crime was indeed the vampire of Dusseldorf. And in that letter, he gave them the exact location of Maria Hahn's body. Hmm. This is the one. I wish I could have found the actual copy of the letter. Couldn't I couldn't find it. Yeah. I couldn't find it. I don't know if it's because they don't have the same obsession with serial killers, except now we know. That. But I feel like at the time, nowadays, we blow it up into like a media frenzy or in the 70s and shit during the serial killer heyday of the United States of America. I don't know. Remember what we were saying uh, last I know. episode? Yeah. They love true crime, but I wonder... But. That was after the facts of the crime. I wonder if at the time the newspapers did not want to blow it up as much. I know they were trying to keep a lid on as much Mm. information as they could. They actually, it seems like in Germany at the time, they were better at it than we ever were. Yeah. Well, there was a little World War II. And it was quite a lot. Maybe it got exploded. Yeah, it could have gotten exploded. I mean, everything sort of got destroyed. So maybe that was one of them. I don't know. Actually, you make a very good point there. Quite a a few records of, uh, you know, Germany were destroyed in that time, and it could also have been, you know, destroyed by the Nazis, who were doing their best to erase the past of Germany as much as they possibly could. But that's not to say that Peter Curtin wasn't still killing in the meantime between the murder in August and him sending the letter in November. Hmm. In fact, as I said earlier, the Maria Hahn murder kicked off what was to be the most vicious and prolific spree of Peter Curtin's life. Hmm. Later on, in the same week that he killed Maria Hahn, Peter Curtin approached 26-year-old Gertrude Schilte as she was on her way to meet up with a few friends for an afternoon lark. I am not maligning whatsoever, but it's it, it's always interesting when you remember Gertrude's were young once. Yeah. When we yes. think of the name Gertrude, yes. it's just yeah. such an older name. When twenty six year old Gertrude, you never even think about that. Oh, no, when I was a kid, uh, Gertrude was the name of the old witch that my grandfather said lived in the abandoned house uh, oh. far into the ranch. Meanwhile, you know, back in the day when Gertrude had that snapper out there and she was letting her <laughs> when she was hanging him high and all that stuff. Back in the day, Gertrude was hot. Yeah, I'm I feel sure. like it's, it's how it always is. Mm-hmm. And now course. it's coming back around. Everybody's named Mildred and Berthel and stuff like yeah, that. It, and now we're going to have 80-year-old Nicolettes and Allison. <laughs> yes, exactly. yeah, you just, you for, just, I just can't wait until nursing homes are filled with Stephanie's and Ashley's. Yes. Oh. <laughs> 
That's fine. I will name my kid Herbert. Herb. I like that name. It's my grandfather's name. Oh, Herbert's oh. A, Herb is a real good name. Yeah. Herb, Herb Kissel. Herb Kissel. Yeah, mine's, <laughs> I know he's a good farmhand. Mine's going to be Herb. Skeletons. <laughs> you're you're going to name your kids skeletons? Yeah, multiple skeletons. Do you think skeletons. that's going to be good for them going through life being named skeletons? They better start working hard in order to get over what has already been done to them. That's the, that is the premise of a boy named Sue. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Curtin, still chasing the thrills he'd originally felt at the beginning of his career, he decided to try his hand at murder at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Jeez. So he walked up to Shalta and in- introduced himself as Baumgart. Mr. Ba- Herr Baumgart. Hello. Very nice to meet you. My name is Herr Baumgart. Herr Baumgart. And that's how you do it. You, pra- you have to practice it like that in the mirror in order to be good at it. You go, I love you. My name is Herr Baumgart. My name is Herr Baumgart. That's how he does because he had to do his own accent. He had to practice his own accent. Yeah. Sure, sure. Well, what he did, he told her that she was beautiful. He pretty much started doing the whole, like, dickhead catcalling thing. He told her she was beautiful, that she kept walking, and then he started getting more and more lewd as she continued on her way before he finally just straight out said, we should go somewhere and have sex. And when she said that she would rather die, Curtin screamed, Then you shall die! Sure, not good. He then pulled out his dagger and stabbed her in the back so hard that the blade broke. Thankfully, though, Gertrude Schulte survived. God, he was like building it up on his own, like just like while she was walking down the street, just to see if what what it would take to finally push him. Yeah. Yes. And again, I am not at all maligning Gertrude, but if someone proposes something that you don't want to do, say, "I would rather have a pizza." <laughs> and then have they, a pizza. And have a pizza. What? <laughs> Full what? Domino's. Like he takes them over to the Domino's, no, the Little Caesars, where you can go Ooh. and you can just go to the the hot boxes where you can grab them. Yeah. <laughs> But even though Curtin didn't succeed in murder, there was still something about stabbing and running away that gave Curtin a thrill. So he did the same thing three more times in one night on August 21st. What are the people doing? Yeah. Are, don't people see this happening? Or <sighs> No. No. Well, yeah. uh, we'll get to it in here in just a second. Okay. Quick and purposeful action yeah. really can, when you're not looking for it, you have no you have no clue a massacre is about to happen. Like, it can really blindside you. The, the, that shock of someone just grabbing you. Is there something about that, about how we, you can get away with quite a bit with very confident motions. Mm-hmm. Well, the first two that were stabbed that night were women, one of whom got at the very least a request for accompaniment before getting a stab in the back, but the other just got a silent stab in the ribs. The third was a drunken man lying in a ditch. Curtin stabbed him in the back as he was trying to crawl out, then Curtin hid nearby and watched as the old-timey EMTs saved the man's life. Hup, 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 come on, let's go grab his boots, grab his boots. <laughs> so, uh, we got to push his legs, push his legs, we get the bad blood out from his abdomen up to his brain. Nice. Go, very good. I will begin to open up his skull so his brain will have enough pressure to ease off of it so the bad blood can come out of his brain. Very good. Now I shall stab him in the eyes. So I have to stab him in the eyes to release the pressure from the inside of his skull. Well, it's almost like you don't want the EMTs to show up, huh? Ah, yeah, man. That's crazy. And yet, despite these sprees, the police were nowhere near to catching Peter Curtin. But that one dude who admitted to all that stuff before, he's still locked away, right? Oh, yeah. He's locked away in the insane asylum okay. for choking the women with the uh, nooses. Because oh, that's, they knew- what he got, that's yeah. what they got him on, not, no. the, not the confession. 
technically they got him on the confession. They got technically he is guilty for the Rita Olinger crime and all that shit. Mm-hmm. All of the piecing together of everything happened after Pete and Cur- Peter Curtin was arrested and he decided to confess. And so they thought they got the vampire Dusseldorf. And then when the Maria Hahn happened, the letter came out and then they're like, oh shit. I oh see. no. So, so they're looking again. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to give you an idea of how badly people were scared. 800,000 leads and suspicious persons were reported to the Dusseldorf police. To be fair, the Germans are very good at snitching. Uh, it's, it can be used for very nefarious negative reasons. In this case, positive, though. Yeah. See, and it sounds how every broken clock's always right twice. <laughs> yeah, that's what but, they say. But this Peter Curtin is now controlling Dusseldorf. Because, yeah. again, think about that. Because that's what it is. It's the very common... The trope of a horror movie. You think you got the you think you got the bad guy right. and then he snaps awake and it's like the idea of that like everyone went like, Ah, we got the vampire of Dusseldorf. Mm-hmm. Beer steins all around. Oh, look at this. Give one to the child. He likes to beer. It helps him play <laughs> with the other children. Right. Oh, and the sausages put it in the pants of the little girl. She takes it to her mother. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing sexual about it. Well, maybe that's why they created pockets. A clock is right four times a day. If you think about the minute hand and the second hand. Thank you. <laughs> the minute hand and the hour hand and the second no. hand. It could be right six times a no, day. Kissa, no, I'm like, I'm literally about to start crying blood. No, it's, if you think no. about the hour, it's, it's correct. So it's 2 p.m. No, and then asshole. it's no, 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 15 no. You minutes. You can't just say, no, 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 So no. it could actually it be right be, six times no, a day. No, incorrect. And you are thinking about a clock completely wrong. A time is the coordination of the minute yeah. hand all three, and all hour. three of it. Minute, hour, and, and second. second. So yeah. it can only be individually, correct Individually, they can also be correct. Well, no, that would mean it would be no. correct 24 times in a day. It Why? Is- because if you're only counting the minute hand... No, I'm not just counting the minute hand. I want to retire from the podcast. Well, hey, buddy. Wait a couple of years, and then you can get whatever clock you want. I mean, I don't know what kind of... Probably, maybe you want to get... You probably want to get a clock that's right more than two times a day, you idiot. Oh, no, God, oh, God. Cretan, I guess. I well, the police in Dusseldorf, they were so desperate that they followed up on damn near every one of those 800,000 leads. Wow. Uh, I'm pretty sure they didn't follow up on every single one of them. Oh, yeah. Yet, there was still much more tragedy to come. For three days after his stabbing spree, Curtin would commit his only double murder. On the night of August 23rd, Peter Curtin traveled to the Dusseldorf Fair in search of a victim. While wandering the grounds, Curtin spotted 14-year-old Louise Lindzen and her friend, 5-year-old Gertrude Homaker. And when the two girls left the fair through an alleyway, Peter followed. He caught up to him, used his charm, and innocently asked Louise if she would mind running to the store to buy him a pack of cigarettes. Different times. Yeah, but you're an adult male. You can go to the store yourself. My father used to send me for cigarettes all the time. Yeah, my yeah, father used to send me for snuff all the time. Slightly different stories. That is slightly yes, different stories because this was a stranger in an alleyway, and we were at home. I would have went if a stranger asked me to because <laughs> I thought it was fun to go buy cigarettes. Sure. Well, what Peter Curtin told her was like, you go do that. I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to watch Gertrude. You don't have to take her with you. I'll take care of it. And Luis, she did as she was told because mm. it was an adult. She left the five-year-old alone with Curtin. As soon as Luis was gone, Curtin carried Gertrude out into some nearby bushes and repeated what he'd done with Christine Klein, strangling the little <sighs> girl and sawing her throat open with his pocket knife. <sighs> 
He then returned to the alleyway and waited for Luis. When she got back, he dragged her to the same location and cut her throat so deeply that he came close to decapitating her. Now, this is where there are some things are. There's a weird discretion. There's there's a weird, um, I don't know what the term is, discrepancy mm-hmm. about whether or not this is true or not. But according to him and some people, it said that he then bit the wound yeah. and chewed on it. Like, that's what they said. And they said they did find Ugh. chew marks on her, but they weren't sure if it was true or not. But it was either way. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he said, okay. oh, yeah, what he said is that he licked the blood from the throat of the young girl and laid down next to the corpses, just taken in the atmosphere. Jesus. He then folded up his knife and walked away, leaving behind one of the most gruesome crime scenes Dusseldorf had ever seen. Okay, how many people in Germany at this time were just walking around covered in blood? <laughs> Wouldn't this guy be covered absolutely head to toe in blood? I don't know. How, yeah. would, how could because well, if you if you do it real carefully and you're not trying to get it all over you and if you've done it a bunch and you understand the way the blood I mean this is all terrible all of this is terrible yeah, but if you just, understand the mechanics of how the blood shoots out when you've done it and you've yeah. done it a bunch of times and you know how to avoid it and then maybe it does come to the time where like you know there were butchers walking around blood was a little bit more common to oh, be I, seen I, guess. I don't know I, I don't know and then all of that and you just do it, and you also just do it with a blinding confidence like you're a person just walking down the street. I'll tell you what, in New York, if I saw somebody walking down the fucking street covered in blood, I'd keep walking. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, I would be a new fashion trend or something. Honestly, I would just keep walking mostly just because in order for me to deal with that, man, my day is now over. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a it's lot like, to do. Yeah. yeah. And I think, and the other thing is that these weren't like berserker kills in the way uh, that, say, like Richard Chase did a berserker kill. Like these were, he was very controlled the entire time. In fact, they said uh, when he almost decapitated this girl, they said it was very unlike him because the way that it was cut, it seemed like he had done it angrily. Like that for some, somehow this girl had made him mad mm. and it didn't have the same cleanness that all the other ones had. Well, it seems like he just kind of goes in these little like rages in the middle of doing it, which is the reason mm. why the multiple stab wounds of all of these denotes Powerful, powerful rage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, obviously. Now, as far as the investigation went at this point, there really wasn't even a consensus that they were looking for just one guy. As it happens, in berserker cases like this, with no real pattern, people had a hard time accepting that one man could be capable of all this. Exact same thing that happened with Richard Ramirez. Mm -hmm. In fact, most people thought they were looking for four murderers. The one person who thought otherwise, though... Was our old friend who ate his way out of the police forest from episode one, <laughs> Inspector Ernst Gannat. Yes, yes, I will be on that way to go solve another impetuous crime. The first one I must have is more vanishness, so much gravy. More than my knees, my wife can't find me penis. It doesn't have to. I'm too busy solving many crimes. I mean, you solved the Peter Curtin 
certain case, eat away, my friends. <laughs> they just bring him a new pitcher of cream. Every, every case. <laughs> well, just like Detective Gil Carrillo in the Richard Ramirez case, Inspector Gannat was the one who noticed that the same footprints were found at each and every crime scene. But hmm. unlike the Ramirez case, in which the avia aerobic footprints were a key part of the investigation, the curtain footprints didn't really do much to advance the case. Well, now we know for certain that the killer has feet. <laughs> oh, well, that, that limits it down. As it was, three more people would die, while at least another 18 would be attacked before Peter Curtin was finally captured. And hmm. here's where things are going to get pretty relentless in this episode. Okay. Here it is. Yes. This is the point. Oh, have you, okay, all of this has just I been fun and light and <laughs> oh, just... Oh, you know, it's oh, kind my. of feel like... You remember when we went on the... No, you couldn't make it in Italy. When we went on a boat to ride. To Pompeii. We went on a boat ride that was just wonderful. It w and it, it was just like... And we had champagne and berries. Yeah, but then you went to just see a bunch of corpses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what we're doing here. Oh, That's literally I what we see. did. All of this episode so far has been a lovely boat ride outside of oh, Italy. This is, we were on the boat. Yeah, now we're going to be looking at some corpses. Well, I enjoyed our time just in Naples around the wonderful people. They're very nice, all alive. I like that about them. Good. <laughs> no problem. Good. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Unless you, I'm so glad you weren't walking around Naples being like... There could be a heck of a lot more dead people around here. <laughs> <laughs> I love Naples because every time you sit down, they give you olives and chips. Oh, yeah. very nice. Fun. The first victim in this spree was Sophie Ruckel, who was riding her bike when Curtin dashed out from a side street, grabbed her off her bike, and hit her in the head with a chisel, knocking her out but not killing her. The next was Maria Radouche. Curtin attacked her at midnight, but she managed to get away and scream for help, sending Curtin running away with people in pursuit. Curtin got away, but amazingly, to answer your question, Ben, this was the only time he was ever chased. Wow. And he kind of liked it. Yeah. It's all of this shit, because there's something about... It's not just getting the body and retaining the body, because we always talk about process killer versus product killer and all this stuff. It's more like he liked just creating the fear. Yeah. He liked this idea that he could be fucking anywhere, and he was. And he was running out, and he didn't even care if he fucking killed you. He just wanted you to know, I could have killed you. How the hell did this guy get away? I've, the pictures do not make him look like the most, uh, the most athletic of dudes. You got fucking dudes. inspectors, 400 pounds, <laughs> I fucking pride deal. going to be slowly walking behind, but some kid's got to be able to catch him. Actually, to answer your question, Ben, first, uh, he actually took great care of himself. He ate well. He exercised. Hmm. Uh, he... He made sure that he had the he had the strength to take care of this and to address him uh, just wanting to scare people. One time he chased after a couple with a pistol, just shooting it in the air. And in that moment, he ejaculated. Oh, my God. Ah, Honestly. Always, <laughs> always. He knows how to do it. He knows how to do it for himself. And that's really important. The one positive thing we can learn from this is being like. Make sure you take care of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that explains why the Germans didn't they lose? Uh, they lost in the uh, in the old Olympics there. Jesse Owens. Yeah, didn't Jesse Owens destroy them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, USA uh, all the way. Very thorough history lesson. <laughs> yeah, well, Peter Curtin was in prison, so the Germans couldn't use him. Peter Curtin was dead. Thank God, <laughs> and we crushed him. <laughs> What? Do you thought, think they would have used convicted serial killer Peter Curtin Jesse Owens? Honestly, know. what a cool, that's a cool, like, convicted, cartoon. Con convicted serial killer Olympics. <laughs> the only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. <laughs> 
That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for the little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And oh, they love their life and they love the they love what BarkBox brings. Because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly, you know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me 
all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Well, after that attempt, Curtin decided that if he was going to attack, it was going to have to be swift, brutal, and over in a second. Hmm. That's when Peter started leaving the house with a hammer in his pocket. What I would say is this is where... If you are one of the true uh, sickos like us that really wants to see what it's like to have these words come out of the mouth of a serial killer, read The Sadist and listen to Peter Curtin the way he describes each step of the way he would go about these mini attacks. He was very organized and you can see in the way he describes it, the pleasure he has in the control he took and how and how in his description of his crimes, how you can see he is when oh, he's gone over this memory again and again and again until he has, as in, as you have said, ejaculated yeah. again and again and again. So each one is this little fun little story in his mind. But his first victim using the hammer was Ida Reuter. He'd met her at a railway station and had convinced her to go for a walk in the woods. But as night fell, she told him that she wanted to go back to town. Peter agreed, but as they were walking back, Peter pulled out his hammer and hit her in the right temple, fracturing her skull. He then dragged her unconscious body down to the meadow where he raped her and ended her life by caving in her skull completely. He did much the same to Elizabeth Dorier. Curtin followed her for a mile before he dragged her behind a bush and killed her with five swings from his square-headed hammer. If you saw the Ooh. pictures of the aftermath, too, Ooh, not the God. actual crime scenes, but they have the pictures of the skull yeah, and the skull. sadist, and it, it, they are just shattered. It's very, very intense, the mm-hmm. amount of energy he hit people with. So we got a crowbar, a hammer, a scissors... A, a tiny knife. A tiny knife. And then he, his hands, just his straight hands. up strangling people. And didn't he use an axe, the broadside the of the hatchet. axe? The hatchet, yeah, he used the hatchet. Just choppa. Yeah. Yeah, so, so he doesn't have a tool. So that explains why they think it might be multiple people too, right? Multiple people, uh, multiple ages, multiple sexes. Like they're they're just they have no idea whether there's one guy doing this or if the entirety of Dusseldorf has just lost its fucking mind. Jeez. However, not all who were attacked by Curtin's hammer died. Frau Mürer was walking home at 8 o'clock on October 25th when Curtin sidled up to her and said, quote, Aren't you afraid? Quite a lot of things have happened here already. He then took out the hammer and gave her a thwack. But Frau Mirror had a tough constitution and left the hospital two weeks later, shaken but otherwise healthy. Okay. But with the next victim, a one Frau Wanders, the hammer handle broke and the head went flying. Never to be found again. Another horrible episode of Dick Clark's Serial Killer's Goof-Em-Ups and Bloopers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's a big key piece of evidence, though, there. Yeah, but they never found it. And Peter Curtin mm. actually tried going back, because he didn't... Uh, he wanted Frau, it. He yeah. wanted it. For his, he misses his hammer. Yeah, he missed his hammer. But Frau Wanders didn't die. Okay. Uh, but after you know she left, he went back to the area, and he searched through the bushes, because he was hitting her so hard, and he had hit other people so hard that the uh, handle of the hammer snapped, and 
and the head flew off back behind him, and he just he never found it again. And Jeez. then he used to do the, the <laughs> just scratching his yeah. back with a stick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank God they brought my scratching stick because if not, my back would be itchy. Absolutely, that that weapon it will not cut. Forged in fire. Yeah, it's a great show. Forged in fire. That's right. Forged in fire. It's okay. It's weird. It's it's a <laughs> is a it really the show where they show. just like cut open they, milk gallons and stuff with swords yeah, and yeah, shit? Yeah. And a lot of pigs, and they have to make their own oh, sword. Yeah. I love it's that. It's all about making pe- your own sword. Yeah. Yeah. The people are really. It's an interesting kind of nerd culture. Yeah. 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 Forge nerds is a very yeah. weird subculture. It's it really where is. I cross the line. That is that is that is my line. I will not collect swords. <laughs> they make them. Yeah, I really want to collect swords though. I, do, I, I, mean, I like. It's I love, hard to not I, want to. I love holding swords and just swinging a sword. Yeah, of course, man. Sure. It's great. That's why I have the one whip. The whip is fun around in the yeah. office. I could do that alone. You think this is a good conversation to have when we're talking about the world's <laughs> or, uh, Germany's worst serial killer? I'm just saying it's. I can. It, there is fun to be had if you're innocent about it. Yeah, if you're innocent about it, you're just like play, ma- playing it's make. Fun. Uh, you're sure, fucking sure. Alderan. What's his name from fucking Mjolnir? Not that Mjolnir. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, that Aragorn. Alderan. Aragorn. Alderan. Alderan is where Princess Leia's from. Yeah, yeah. No, no Alderan is Star Wars. Yeah. I remember because Aragorn from Lord where, of the Rings. Yes. Yeah. And Dagobah is where yeah. Yoda's from. Yeah. So he's and, looking uh, for the hammerhead. <laughs> he's looking for a head, the head of the hammer. There. He never found it. Never found it. Yeah. And he left the hammer behind. And the hammer attacks had ended. And and with that, Peter's murder spree was almost at an end. Hmm. But for his very last murder, Peter returned to the scissors. His last murder victim was five-year-old Gertrude Alberman. Good God. One day, as her parents were having a distracted conversation in the park, Curtin, who'd been stalking the child for weeks, snatched up the little girl and walked her a mile away where he choked her and stabbed her over 50 times. Now, was he he was was he a pedophile as well? Did he desecrate the body and all I, that kind of stuff? I mean, he did do that, but my question I wonder because I don't think it had anything to do specifically with children in terms of sexuality. I think it was about Twisting innocence. Yeah. I think it was the same thing mm. why he did it with all the various women, which is also why he had a problem with um he never murdered sex workers because he thought that they were below him. Yeah. He said that he hated women that uh, he would never do that because he stabbed one woman. Frau, Wa- on. Frau so, Wanders was a yeah, she was a she was a sex worker and, and he said that he found her repulsive. Yes. So in this perverted, disgusting brain, he wouldn't kill anyone he thought was below him. Yes. Well it was but, about, so what did he think about the kids? He, did he think that they were above him or it, something? It wasn't necessarily like above or below, it wasn't necessarily a superiority thing. He just knew that if he killed a sex worker, no one was going to give a shit. And oh, what I he see. wanted was to make people feel terrible. He wanted to he wanted to crack open the fabric. He wanted to cut mm. the fabric of society. He looked at them and the way he described them each time when he would say them in, in his confession afterwards, he'd call them beautiful creatures. Yeah. He'd say, look at this creature of beauty. It is this unspoiled thing. And he would try not to, like, because that was his thing. He would only kill women that he found to be beautiful and little kids that he thought represented beauty but mm. it, and he did he did desecrate the bodies but he did it in a way I mean because we're not going into the detail the way that he did it showed that he wanted you to see that I could have fully sexually assaulted these these kids but I didn't yes yeah he mm. uh, often 
He, his big thing was to masturbate over the bodies. Like, okay. I mean, you know, like BTK uh, with his with the uh, Otera murders. Yes. Uh, a, very right, much, right, right. very much the same thing. Okay. Uh, but yes, uh, Henry makes a very good point where where he he liked to show that I could have, uh, but I didn't. Albert okay. Fish. Albert Fish. There you go. All right. Well, after the murder, Curtin said that he almost set the girl's body on fire, just like he had with Rosa Olinger. Mm. But he decided this time to try something different. Instead, Curtin carried the body a half mile away to an abandoned factory. There, Curtin covered the body in a burial mound of garbage that he just found strewn around the grounds. He then marked it with a cross, and two days later, he sent a letter to a newspaper named Freiheit that said this. Murder at Papendel. In the place marked with a cross, a corpse lies buried. And he'd sent the same letter to the police. And mm. after he knew the police had received the letter, Curtin staked out a hiding spot and giddily watched as the police uncovered the body. Again. Again. Okay. But this just, time he didn't even, he didn't speak to the police this time. He just sat and la- and giggled in, from a hiding spot and just watched all of them. Uh, of course, like watched all of them fall apart over having to dig through garbage to find a little girl's body. Right, yeah, right. And it's the giggling. Yeah, it's the giggling. Yeah. Uh, and I, Oh, you giggled the whole time? Yeah. I, I did also, I for, did forget that, um, I did forget that detail when he was uh, strangling uh the girl at the fair to death. Yeah, he just giggling the entire time, just yeah. giggling maniacally. Like, and you know, and he he learned that he learned that from uh, the dog catcher. You remember the dog catcher used to do the same. He used thing. to giggle. And laugh he used, and to, laugh he used and... to laugh and laugh when he was torturing and killing dogs. Out of all the forms of laughter, giggling is the most nefarious. Yeah, it's the scariest one. Yeah. A good chuckle. Yeah, a chuckles a chuckle. <laughs> the giggle yeah. bee—it's it's a long chuckle. Yeah, there's no there is no horror movie called Doctor Chuckles. Oh, however, no, no, yeah, I mean, do- <laughs> sounds actually <pretty> cool. <laughs> yeah, but Doctor Giggles. Ooh. now that's a great Doctor Giggles is a fantastic '90s horror movie. Classic, absolute classic. Now, after that murder, Curtin took a break from crime completely for three months. But starting in February of 1930, he embarked on a series of assaults that lasted until his eventual capture in May of that year. And it was all due to the courage of one young woman named Maria Budlik. Maria had arrived in Dusseldorf on May 14th by train. She'd been to Dusseldorf before, but was still a little unfamiliar. So when a man approached her and offered to take her to a women's hostel that Maria had been to before, she agreed. But when the man started leading her in what she knew to be the wrong direction, she got suspicious and told him that she could find her own way. Thank you very much. Good. The two started arguing, and another man walked by and stepped in. That man was Peter Curtin. And he opened oh, with no. the... Oh, yeah, buddy. He opened with the very classic, is this man bothering you? Yeah. Because he came in and he'd be like, some men are pigs. They do terrible things. Mm-hmm. And he went and he was like, I oh. would take you there. You need to go. And he, I mean, he's all dressed up. I will say the three times I was mugged. Well, one of the times I was mugged was by a guy in a suit. Yeah. And the rest of the country is now getting mugged by a guy in a suit. <laughs> very, very good. Uh, I, I do like very the, good. I, I love that you always bring it back to your mugging experience. You have been mugged a, a strange amount of times. Three times. And I got beat up in the street. Yeah. I am. It's because of why I'm noticeable. I'm castable. Yeah. That's what it is. That's right. Oh, my God. So yeah. this chick... Uh, I guess out of the frying pan into the fryer here. Yeah. Now, after Curtin, quote-unquote, saved Maria, 
he somehow convinced her to come back to an apartment he'd rented at 71 Metmana Strasse. But when she refused to sleep with him, they left. But when they left, Curtin led her to a secluded spot in Grafenberger Woods and raped her. But he didn't kill her. Instead, he let her go, only because he'd been seen with her earlier by the man who had first met her at the train station. But it was like his, a buddy of his, a guy who knew him. Yeah. And he, they said hello, and they said back and forth, and it's interesting that he thought that the crime of sexual assault was less than the murder, like the fact that, like, well, I still raped this woman, and my buddy saw me, but, uh yeah. This guy is, he, he really is. He is, he may be the worst. Yeah, it's, he is definitely, he's among Dude, the worst he's that we've up there. ever gone. Yeah. He's a true villain. This yeah. is just a guy where it's villain. like, it's very difficult to find because it's like, when we go over some of these serial killers, we've done this so often now, right? Yeah. It's like you go through this and there's probably our 30th serial killer. Some are on like oh, 20 or 30. I'm writing yeah. a fucking book about him now yeah. since like we're living <laughs> in the world of, uh, of right. them. And a part of it's like Pan's Ram, you know, it's like back in the day we sort of like found that weird sort of like he had like a hero side and all these kind of other things where you can feel where with Curtin I have nothing. Any, uh, there's no. No, I look at him and just being like they should have just killed him when he was a baby. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, they kind of did in, that, in a perverted kind of way with that upbringing of his. Yeah. Now, Maria did not report this to the police immediately, but she did detail the attack in a letter to a friend, saying that she'd most likely been in the presence of a murderer. When the friend read the letter, she immediately made the connection to the vampire of Dusseldorf and convinced Maria to report the crime. Now, Curtin had counted on Maria Budlick not remembering where his apartment was because she was, you know, somewhat unfamiliar with the city. But this ended up being a fatal underestimation. After reporting the crime, she was able to take two plainclothes officers and Inspector Gannat straight to 71 Metmana Strasse. Wait a second, you're going to need to get some form of cart to get me there. But as soon as we do, oof, I'm going to need several loaves of ice cream and I'm going to need several beer steins of Paulina in order for me to get my sinking cap greased onto my tiny Yemen scalp. Whatever it takes, buddy. Now, unfortunately, Curtin wasn't there when they arrived. But while Gannat was elsewhere in the boarding house searching for clues and Maria was waiting in the hallway on the second floor, Peter Curtin walked up the stairs. He walked right past Maria, looked at her, and she said that he had this look of stunned confusion on his face. Like he couldn't believe that she actually, that he couldn't believe that he was actually about to face some consequences. Oh yeah, he just thought he was invincible. Yeah. He thought that he had always been totally in control. Yeah. So he entered his room and after just a moment, he left again with his hat over his eyebrows, walked right past two plainclothes officers and vanished. That's the one thing we're missing these days, not being in the 30s, is being able to pull up the trench coat labels yeah. and pull down your hat and be able to disappear. Who could that ever be? (laughs) (laughs) Well, after he left, like Maria, I mean, she just, of course, I mean, she just froze because when Mm. she saw Peter Curtin, like it was just terror overcame her uh, and she, you know, she froze. But once Peter left, she regained her composure and he told Inspector Gannat that the man they were looking for had just came and went. And so they tried running into the night to catch him. But Curtin was gone. I cannot run. I must be ruled. <laughs> Rule me. Oh, these cobbled streets are really messing with my stomach control. They should have done it. They would have got him that night. <laughs> but after this, Curtin knew that the walls were about to start closing in because he'd rented the room using his own name. So he knew it was only a matter of time before the police tracked him down. So, Curtin decided that it was time to come clean with his wife, at least partly. 
He told her what had happened with Maria, but he did it, you know, in the way that piece of shit psychopaths, like when they confess to something, but they it's don't like, really I kind of take... been involved in something fucked up and I did this shit, but you know how it is, but I'll probably be in jail for like 15 years. I mean, who gives a fuck? Yeah. And it comes down to it. I'm going to be fucking on trial anyway. So, well, let's go to lunch. Let's have yeah. a nice day. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty let's much it. Let's try to fucking have a nice day. <laughs> uh, but in response to this, like Augusta... Finally kicked his ass to the curb. Said, get the fuck out of here. I don't want to see you anymore. So Curtin moved into a lodging house in another part of Dusseldorf. So, you know, why didn't he just skip town there? Well, that's a question we're going to be asking again and again, because here is where things get real goddamn murky. Peter's story and the story that gets told over and over again that completes the romantic myth that people somehow attach to this absolute fucking monster is that Peter Curtin confessed to his wife completely on May 23rd. And Peter said the reason why he confessed to his wife was so she could turn him in and get the reward money, which was the last act of a man who hated the world but loved his wife. Oh, my God. And the reward money was his way of taking care of her. And this, you know, and this shit, this gets propagated like it's on the fucking Wikipedia page. And it's in all the online articles that you read. And it's like the crux of Monster by C.L. Sweeney. And it's total fucking bullshit. Okay. According to Augusta herself, as told in The Sadist, it didn't happen anywhere close to that. Detectives had already tracked her down at work from uh, based on Maria Budlick's report, but she didn't have any idea where he was staying. She just said, I kicked him out. I don't know where he is. But the next morning when Peter came by her apartment and she told him that based on the questions the police were asking, she told him, like, you you had to have done something awful for them to have come and talk to me like this. And he replied, quote, Yeah, I did it. I did everything. And then he just left. Good I Lord. did everything. But he did it like in a braggy. Yeah. Because he, cause right. he, left, he left this whole profuse, like, I wanted to make sure she was always taken care of. Mm-hmm. And I would be doing all of the making sure she'd get some money. And it's like... No, he kind of just dropped it on her lap because then he also kind of wondered in a weird hazy thing. I think the reason why he didn't laugh, I don't think the reason why he didn't run was because I think it's a little bit of being like, first of all, we'll see if they actually do get me. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. second of all, I mean, then the whole world will know my story. So they met for lunch the next day. They still went out to lunch. <laughs> now, what the hell is happening Well, here? because he's not really, he's just telling her, he's just giving her a little bit each well, time. she's been gaslit well, out yeah. to yeah, hell. But she's, yeah. she's in a fake world. She's yeah. been sitting right. there wondering what it is about him, trying not to ask too many questions, but also because he said that he openly had affairs, because mm-hmm. that was a part of the original, original confession well, was saying, I've had affairs. She caught him a couple times. Yeah, and so okay. she knew that. So she was like, but it was a very common thing of like, well, he's just too much man for me I have to let him go and be with other women which means he was an he was I mean he had raped her he had done several things he was an uncontrollable sexual maniac Mm -hmm. and couldn't couldn't keep it in his pants and so she thought that's all it was but then it got to the point where it's like she's like but we should go to lunch for closure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that lunch is a little crazy here. I don't know how uh, they're hungry, number one. Well, that's the thing is that Augusta was too distraught to eat. She mm. couldn't eat at all but Curtin he ate and he ate her lunch as well. Yep. He had double lunch? Double lunch. He had Jeez. double lunch. This did not bother him at all. In fact, his last meal, he had a Wiener schnitzel Ooh. for his last meal. And then after he finished, he asked for seconds. And they gave it to him. Yep. Okay. And Wiener schnitzel is a lot. That's the a Wiener lot. That's very big. Mm-hmm. All pounded out there. Mm. But mm. after lunch, as the two of them were walking over the Rhine Bridge... 
Curtin confessed completely. He gleefully told her that he was the vampire of Dusseldorf and that he'd done everything they'd reported in the papers and worse besides. Then, when he was asked why, though, he said, quote, I don't know myself. It just came over me. But it's like when I started playing the guitar again and learned all the <laughs> yeah, whole exactly. catalog of DMB, but mostly it was because I wanted to provide some kind of background music at parties. <laughs> oh my goodness. But when Augusta like naturally reacted in horror, and I don't know what other reaction he expected. Yeah, what did he expect? Yeah, Peter said, according to Augusta, this is how he replied when she reacted in horror. <sighs> I've done something very silly I ought not to have told you. That was the silly thing? Yeah. You're you're blowing it out of proportion every day. It's just like, we just had lunch. Wasn't it nice? Didn't we have a nice lunch together? Mm -hmm. And now you're all butthurt about it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, Augustus said that all that afternoon, though, and for the rest of the night, he couldn't look her in the eye. Oh, he couldn't. And he was overcome by a depression that she'd never seen him experience. But not a single goddamn thing was said about a reward. So, like, Henry, like, I'm not sure if I can really, like, figure it out here. Like, why do you think he put on a show for her after he told her? Why do you think he was all cast down and, you know, dog, like, you know, doe-eyed and all that shit? Like, why did, and also, why didn't he just kill her and run away? He was mad. So, again, I'm going to walk all the way down of the end of the, I'm going to go to the end of the branch here. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh-oh. I'm going to talk about, I, I'm not sure. In my mind, of all of this is true, because there's still always like a thing at the very end that he could have made up a bunch of shit. Yeah. He could just like, who knows? Partially, I think that has got a lot to do with it, too. It's just the sheer showmanship and the exhibitionism he showed about his crimes and his want for all of it to be true and showing everybody in the delight he got. I think that this man was a plastic person. I think a part of it was... I, when he said, I ought not to have told you that uh, now you would like, I, that was silly of me to do. Well, that was essentially which being like, oh, now you're going to be a fucking bummer. Yeah. After all of this, I think he was pouting because he knew he had to go to jail the next day, that he was going to maybe turn himself in. I think that he didn't want to kill his wife because I think that she was truly very close to him. And there was because he had deigned to trust her mm. with the real him. He can't kill this person because he already she already became like a trophy slash too important to him. Yeah, I think everybody was objects. I think everybody was used for his own pleasure. So I think just doing the show was simply being like, oh, can you just get over your bullshit mm-hmm. so we can just have a nice night? Can't we just have a nice night? Like, mm. like basically gaslighting her again. Yeah, well, that'll, that'll that'll that will ruin a night. <laughs> that, that I will say, nothing can bring you back from a night not being ruined there. But no. I did ask a question on Twitter about about whether or not uh what about uh, psychopaths feeling love and they say a lot of it's it's just kind of a shallow thing and it's about the idea of what in context to their lives what does love mean yeah Mm -hmm. what is what can they get out of it they lack empathy physically they lack that they lack the the understanding of other people's uh, world but they can love you for the purpose you serve in their life and in this case she served the purpose of making them seem normal right yes so that he could be like it's not you know have i talked about this the trick part that you were mentioning before where Mm. this is like part of the game this this fucking wedding ring on my finger it has an effect yeah it definitely makes you appear less harmful as a person and i i feel like there Mm. i i you can see like you can look like you're a harmless person if you're married because it's like all this kind of thing all you went through the whole hubbub i think it was all a show yeah 
And it's also a good reminder if you're gaining weight because then you can't get it off. <laughs> which is uh, Or water just... retention or getting arthritis. Yeah, you want to be careful. Well, at any rate, the next day, Augusta Curtin went to the police and told them everything her husband had told her the day before. And a trap was set where Augusta would meet Peter near Rilke's church the next day. And as Peter walked towards his wife on his last day of freedom, cops armed with revolvers sprung from every direction. And as they approached him, Peter just smiled, winked, and calmly said, quote, There is no reason to be afraid. Well, I don't know if that's true, but okay. <laughs> well, no, it's like the fucking Joker going back into jail. Yeah. He was so excited for this moment. So excited. His only thing was uh, he uh, he said, like, I didn't think my wife would turn me over that quickly, but whatever. But God, he went such a little bitch. Yeah, dude. But he also got all dressed up. Yeah. He went. He went. He, had, his, he got a bath. He took a shower. He got a shave. He got a shave. He put on his nice Ugh. clothes. He wanted because he knew he'd be photographed. Mm-hmm. Ah, I see. Uh, Peter Curtin spent most of his trial just hard as the dickens because he was having all of his shit said back to him. So he was aroused the entire trial? The entire trial. He was visibly aroused several times. They put him in a cage. Yeah. He was a just bit like of, they did Andre Chikatilo. Yeah, so he was in a big cage in the trial. And also, well, he also recanted. He did his confessions, then he recanted, and mm-hmm. then flipped back again. Yeah. And the court, they didn't help that much because they set up like a display of the skulls of Peter's victims in open court along with fake body parts with simulated wounds next to scissors, rope, Knives and a couple of hammers. So he loved it. This is like a Broadway play, a, a saucy yeah, play for him. And Absolutely he was the it. fucking star. Yeah. Jeez. And when it was all said and done, Peter Curtin was found, of course, found guilty on all charges. I think it was 72 charges or 68, because after wow. he was arrested, he sat down with Dr. Berg, and he was like, let me tell you all of the crimes I have committed. And he went through and listed every single crime, when he did every crime, wow. and he also... and he said names when he could remember them and that's how the uh, it, that's how the police were able to go back and talk to all these people and track them down and ask mm. them it's like hey did you did this happen to you and a lot of times they were like yeah not exactly as he said it like the woman that uh, was hit in the head with the chisel he told them that she was with another guy and that he'd hit them both with the chisel but when they found the woman she was like oh no yeah psychopath did ripped me off my bike and hit me in the head with something, uh, but I was definitely alone. Okay. Damn. But Peter Curtin, when he went to the guillotine, he at least gave the appearance of excitement. All right, so they gave the death penalty to the guy. Yeah, of course. Very good, very good. On the day of his execution, he turned to Dr. Berg and famously said, quote, Tell me, after my head has been chopped off, Will I still be able to hear, at least for a moment, the sound of my own blood gushing from the stump of my neck? That would be the pleasure to end all pleasures. Face down, man. You can't let him see it. <laughs> Unfortunately, the answer is yes. He yeah. probably could. Hell yeah, Marcus. Right, yeah. 20 seconds or something, right? You yeah, get it or something yeah, qu- like that. Quick story at the end here. In 1793, an assassin named Charlotte Corday was beheaded by the guillotine after murdering a prominent member of the French Revolution. After the blade had fallen, a man named Legros quickly lifted the head from the basket and slapped it. And to the surprise of everyone in the audience, Charlotte's head got super pissed off. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. It's even the gory animator. Can you imagine that lifted up my fucking slapped head? You slapped it and goes, Ugh. Uh, and he's oh. like, Ugh. 
You got to have friends like the late, like the lead character in Wolfenstein put you back together again. Yeah, and then you know the head of Charlotte Corday slackened again as the oxygen left the brain. But they said there was a very real and visible um, look reaction. Oh, like there was there wow. was a very real look of anger and indignation. Oh. And, and that's what make, that's what makes us fucking horrifying. Yeah, yeah, that's what actually makes the guillotine one of the more terrifying ways to be executed, right. rather than the most humane way, as was touted by French revolutionaries. Oh, hmm. and we can only hope that Peter Curtin shared that terror. No, he loved it. It seems like this was the ultimate way to kill him in his own mind. Yeah, if he did have any terror, he didn't show it. Because as his head was positioned underneath the blade, he was asked if he had any last words. He just smiled and said, no. And the guillotine came down, neatly sliced off Curtin's head, finally putting an end to the vampire of Dusseldorf. Yay! <laughs> what a stra- it's a strange ending it's a, in that it's good, but that, then it's also like kind of what he wanted. Kind? It's just kind of like too late. Yeah. 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 Wow. All right. Well, there it is. Peter Curtin. That's, you know, he's not really talked about that much. He's but really not. My well, God, that's, Peter, that's horrible. He's one of those that uh, people don't talk about because of, uh, and we've been talking about this with uh, a lot of killers uh, recently. Is like he's one of those because he's kind of like Dean Coral, yes. where he's not talked about because he's so fucking brutal, right. uh, because his crimes are so awful and they can't really be glossed over like you can kind of gloss over ted bundy's crimes you can gloss over john wayne gacy you don't have to get specific with those you can just kind of say them well because you got the with those they're like flashes of like clown killer yeah ted bundy is like good a looking guy good looking well, guy yeah. jeffrey dahmer's the cannibal but what do you think about how the media played a role in framing all that stuff for us initially like when Peter Curtin was down there, obviously, as you guys mentioned, there's no articles or anything. No, oh, no, well, there, there, no, there are articles, but there was not that one letter. Just but not that one letter, yeah. We grew up, like my idea of Ted Bundy was already formed before I even knew what the crimes were. The yeah, vampire, me too. Same with, same with Dahmer. Yeah. Yes. The vampire of Dusseldorf was a character. Yeah. It just doesn't, what we're talking about here is that if we want to get into like the sad, uh, blasé world that we're now in because of the where we're at in terms of serial killer expertise, uh, he's like a B-level serial killer. So mm-hmm. what you have is like you have all these kind of like what we used to call the, the heavy hitters, like all these guys, they're super, super famous ones. These guys are the step under. For me, it's just like you just get to them next because you've already Ugh. blew through all of these sort of pop cultural icons, ser- iconic serial killers that have now become iconic because of our f- fetishization of exactly, them. Exactly. The and, and so part of it is the the but vampire. The, these are he's famous for me. Peter Curtin's a famous serial killer. Yeah. Well, and because I've heard about him for so many years. And it's really just until you get into the the, the mm. uh, details of his crimes. And it's also the fact that, you know, this happened uh, 100 years ago. Yeah, yeah or al- almost almost 100 years ago in Germany, uh, right before a whole bunch of other really important shit happened in Germany. Because you know what it right. is? <laughs> Especially now. You could say that. <laughs> you know what it is, too? Is that, like, a lot of these circles and the serial killer, quote-unquote, boom of America, it happened in the 1970s, which is a great slash cheaper, easier way to time period to make a movie. Yeah. Where, like, here <laughs> 
in order God, to do the yes. Peter Curtin movie, you gotta rent cars. Yeah. You got it's a whole fucking hundreds of BG and uh, fucking old timey clothes. It's a big deal, so that's why it hasn't really slid into right. a movie to me yet. But I'm certain there will eventually well, be. The later hose and costs alone, yeah, will, uh, really increase <laughs> that budget. There. A genuine later hose, and I was looking into it. It's it can be up to like 200, 250. There, it's it's a comfortable. Well, it's not so comfortable, but it's definitely expensive. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah if you want the joys of a romper with yeah. none of the, the the ease but but you also love wearing leather all around your asshole <laughs> yeah get a get some later host surprisingly <laughs> hot well i'd like to re- uh, thank uh research assistant rachel shu for her help as always as thank well you as rachel a- as well as another thank you to Carolina for her help last episode as well. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Carolina. Thank you. At this point in time, we have been performing for you live. We're excited. We've been so excited to see you. We've been very excited to see you tonight. Actually, as this, uh, we're recording this uh, before we leave to go to Texas. So uh, as this episode is coming out, we will be in, in, in Oklahoma there. City. Well, we, we will have done Dallas and Austin. And thank you very much for your kindness there. I want to thank the number one fan in Dallas who gave me one million dollars. Yeah, really that was great. That, that was, was amazing that they did that. And I want to say, I want to thank the fan in Austin that gave me a full exoskeleton that I can use to fight our government. Man, it was a heck of a trip. <laughs> what dude. a trip. What so a trip. hard to get really? back in the bag. Yes. Um, awesome, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you. Check out our Patreon if you'd like to. Mm-hmm. And if you want to come see us live, uh, we got tickets on sale for uh, Indianapolis on November 30th. Awesome. Uh, and Chicago's all sold out, but we will be in Chicago. Yep. So we will be seeing you there. Mm-hmm. Um, you y'all been wonderful. Thank y'all are wonderful. Um, follow uh, LP on the left if you haven't thrown your phone into a river. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, and hail Satan. Oh, hey. thank you. Uh oh, hail yourselves, everyone. Oh, hail Gene. Hail me. I mean the Magustalations. In the Magustalations? Sure. Magustalations? You said it. You said it. I said it. Yeah, yeah, baby. You said it. I'm yeah. like an edgy comedian. I'm like, I said it. I'm like, we know you have a Whoa. microphone. Don't. Hey, Side Stories listeners. This is Henry Zabrowski. Uh, you may recognize me. I'm the host of this podcast along with the other fucking monster, Ben Kissel. And I'm here to tell you about Trollville, a new series brought to you and created by me, Natalie Jean and Sina Navi. This show is about what happens when you take an internet troll and you watch his online behavior slip into his real life and see how does that change him? Is he ready to join society? We've made this project with a lot of love on our own dime. I'm really hoping you guys will enjoy it. It's $1.99 per episode and $5 for the entire series. It's over 50 minutes of my body jiggling back and forth. We're really, really proud of it, and we hope you guys can check it out. It's on Vimeo. The URL is vimeo.com slash on-demand slash Trollville. Again, that's vimeo.com slash on-demand slash Trollville, which is troll as in pieces of troll, and vil, V-I-L-L-E. Please check it out. I think it's a fucking masterpiece for my sweet, slippery fingers. Hail Satan. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, 
but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must-listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. It's the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs who are looking to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for a creative way to increase revenue and give your family and friends the holiday treats they deserve, then you need to get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. If I needed to give a class on digging holes, I'd do it. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand. Upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills. And tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or you can sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash left. <laughs> 